David Sampson of CBS Sports HQ joins us in a few minutes. He actually fired Joe Girardi himself. Mm. Well, actually, the team that he was the president of fired Joe Girardi. We get a uh, chance to maybe talk to David about that. I think Joe Madden's on the hot seat. I think so. He should be. The zookeeper. <laughs> he should be in the hot seat. He's got seat. a lot of talent, and they, and they never win. So yeah. if you blame it on the manager, which I don't, I think it's – I put it on the, the, the player – you know, Mike Trout's 0 for 26, I believe it was. I yeah. saw he's human being. Yeah. Like, he, humans go through bad times. But they got still a lot of talent around Mike Trout. They should be winning more games. Uh, we are giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Text it to 59590. And uh, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Orioles down at the Rogers Center on Monday, June 13th. This is another one that our producer, or not our producer, but uh, Ryan Fabro came up with. What the hell's Fabro's title anyhow? Boss. Boss. <laughs> Assistant boss. <laughs> Person who I talk to whenever I need a day off, boss. Oh. Um, this is a pretty good question. To win tickets to see the Jays and Orioles at the Rogers Center Monday, June 13th. Who is the only Orioles pitcher to have 50 or more saves in a season? He didn't only do it once. He did it twice. Now, this is kind of sneaky. I I would have, hell, I would have cheated and Googled it. Because mm. there's, no there's no way I'm getting it. Uh, text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. We will have more tickets to give away next next week. Again, the only mm. Orioles pitcher to record 50 or more saves in a season. He did it twice. This is for a chance to win tickets to see the Jays and Orioles at the Rogers Center on Monday, June 13th. Text your answer to 59590. It's not who you think it is. Oh, no. I mean, I wouldn't even know who it was. I mean, Orioles closers. I, I mean, there's one guy I would think of, and it is in a long time. So, yeah, there's one guy I would think of, but it's, it's obviously not him. Hmm. Um, it's a good question. It's a tough one. Make you think about it. I had no idea the dude did it once, let alone twice. Uh, I think you could lie. I think he just kind of disappeared, didn't he? Like, well, how do I know you? You hid it from me. Oh. That's right. I didn't see the name. There's the answer. You would not have gotten that, would you? No, not a chance. What? Yeah, I know. No, <laughs> no. not a chance. I was I was thinking the guy that, that Buck didn't bring in at the Rogers Center. Remember? Yeah. No, but, it's not him. Not him. It's not him. Let's not give away anymore, though, because I'm sure that was uh, one of the... That was the first name that popped in my mind, but shows you what I know. No, I admit, listen, the, my uh, the history of Orioles relief pitchers is not something that I'm, I've am i boned up on. But there you go. Uh, Barker's back like bits at 1130. DMs are open. Submit your questions. We don't have any gifts for you, but you will have our undying love and respect, which well, some quarters is, is probably worth more than anything, any gift we could come up with anyhow. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He's also MLB insider at CBS Sports HQ.
David Sampson joins us on this lovely Monday morning on Blair and Barker. Mm. Mr. Sampson, thank you so much for doing this. Um, now, I what what are you doing these days with your running? Because, I mean, you... I, I see, and it looks like you're running in mountains, and then you're at a Coldplay concert with Springsteen. Like, what? Tough life. Yeah, well, yeah, it is a tough life, but <laughs> what exactly is your schedule? Like, you were in a snowstorm, I think, one time I saw you, and the next time I see you, you're at a Coldplay concert. Well, there was quite a bit of stuff in between that, but okay. here's what I'm training for. You know that I do some of these crazy things that anyone could do. They just take a bit of discipline because uh, – I, I can't dunk a basketball or throw 95. But what I can do is train for marathons and ultra marathons and raise money for charity and stuff like that. So this year, I am actually going to Tanzania and I'm climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And then once I get to the summit, I'm running a marathon from the summit. So that's my current plan. What? <laughs> like, if it's you're... not my best plan. I it's not my best plan, I will grant you that. Well, I mean, but it's a summit. It's the top of the mountain. Isn't the marathon, wouldn't it be all downhill? So apparently you get to the summit, you leave it, you climb for five days oh, God. up Kilimanjaro. Yeah. And then on the last day, you leave at midnight and you get to the summit at 7 a.m. You stay for five minutes and then you run 26.2 miles of which... Half of it is around and down from the summit, and then the other half of the marathon is at the base, which is still, you know, above Denver's elevation. So I've been trying to do altitude training because I've lived in Florida and New York, which is basically one foot above sea level. And so I went to Colorado to do some training, and I could barely walk upstairs, and I'm in pretty good shape. So I'm slightly concerned about this one. But I did a hike in New York, uh, a, a long multi-hour hike this weekend. I'm basically just trying to do this because so few people have ever run this marathon. I think only about 100 people in the world have ever run a marathon at the summit of Kilimanjaro. So I'm trying it. What's the worst that could happen? Well, you could die. It's the worst <laughs> that could happen, to be, to, to, to be honest. I mean, yeah. uh, that, that's the first thing that, that, that comes that comes to my mind. Um, you had, you had a pretty bad case of COVID too. I guess we can write you off as being a long COVID person, right? Jeff, I need to stop you because I think my mother listens to everything I do with you because she loves your show. Mm. Uh And I'm going to ask you to edit that out because I can't die. I'm not going to die. The worst that'll happen is I'll have to walk a lot or it'll take me like 12 hours. And the truth is when you run, you faint before you die. So I feel like ah. it's going to be okay. David, how, how do you know you're ready? Like, I, I would think this is a confidence thing. Like, you got to really be confident going into this thing. I can hike that. I can run that. But how do you know you're ready for it? So you don't. With all the stuff, when I did seven <laughs> marathons in seven days on seven continents, right, you just uh. do it. And that's sort of been my philosophy with this athletic stuff. Uh, just do it, right? What's the worst that can happen? You just keep going. So, as long as your mind and your body don't fail at the same time, you can pretty much accomplish anything you want because one of those two will fail you all the time, but you just have to protect against both failing you at once. All right. Speaking of accomplishments, that's a uh, perfect segue here. Uh, the New York Yankees, uh, needless to say, are, uh, well, they're, kind of, they're running away with the East. They look really good right now. I mentioned to Barker that at some point, I think we, we need to start looking at that, that, 116 win season that the 2001 Mariners had 
And he said that I was an idiot uh, <laughs> because he said, first of all, if you're the New York Yankees, yeah, 117 regular season wins doesn't matter if you go out in the first round. And, and certainly Aaron Boone's Aaron Boone and I think Brian Cashman here have designs on something greater than a single season win record. And Barker also pointed out, you know, given the way teams are managed nowadays, load management becomes an issue. And if you're not being pressed uh, to win your division title, there may not be that much incentive to just kind of put the pedal to the metal. How do you think? Let's let's just let's kind of play a hypothetical game here. How do you think the Yankees play this if they they are in the middle of one of those years? I think the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner do not care about 116 or 117. They care about the jewelry at the end of October. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought up the Yankees because I've been getting hammered on Twitter. And I'd love to take the advantage of your huge platform and explain something to people because I still think Toronto is the best team in the East, by the way. Mm. And I still think they're going to come out of the American League. I said East. That's funny. Both East and the American League. When I said the Yankees didn't have a good enough rotation, and I did say that publicly and I stand by it, what I meant is I don't think this current rotation will get them a ring at the end of October. This rotation could get them and will get them into October And that was the difference I was trying to make because to win in October, you need at least two starters who the other team, when they see their name is pitching against them, they think we're going to be very lucky to score a run and we probably won't be able to win a game. And I look at how great they're pitching and they really are, but those, they don't scare me in October. And I think Brian Cashman knows it. They're having a great run right now. There's no question about it, but I think, Cashman knows the pressure he's under to win the World Series, not win the American League East, not win the pennant. He's got to win the World Series, and he's got to get more pitching. David, that's fair. It's sort of like the Blue Jays. Me and Jeff talk about the Blue Jays all the time and say with this lineup that they have, it's predominantly right-handed. They could win the American League East, but to win the World Series with all those right-handed hitters, they're going to need a a legit left-handed bat. So um, that's a fair statement that you just made there. I want to roll it back around to Aaron Judge. And, you know, watch his season and and what he's doing is special stuff. To be as big as he is and to hit for the high average and all the home runs he's hitting and the expectations that he's going through the season, the end of the season, what he's trying to be. But I wonder, does it really matter his numbers at the end of the year to get what he wants to get? I have no idea what that is. I'm assuming it's a lot of money and a lot of years. But does it really matter? Is it more about his health? Like if he's healthy and plays 145 games, you think that's good enough for some team to go, I'll give you this number or whatever you want? You know, it really depends on how desperate an owner is to win a ring because it really isn't about hitting 60 home runs or owners can convince themselves of anything when there's a marquee free agent. They can convince themselves that the entire previous track record is not true and miraculously they're going to sign with my team and be healthy or they're going to miraculously, we do this all the time, they're going to go back to what they were two seasons ago or three seasons ago. These last two years have been outliers, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so much rationalizing that goes on. But what Aaron Judge needs is competition. And the competition that I think he's going to get, even though Steve Cohn said he's not interested, he would be crazy not to be interested in Aaron Judge, no matter what the Mets do this year. The Yankees will have a hard time deciding to let Aaron Judge go, even if they want to allocate their payroll elsewhere, let's say, into more starting pitching. But then the team that I'm also looking at, believe it or not, is in Los Angeles. 
Artie Moreno is the single most desperate owner in baseball. Yeah. And he has spent money incorrectly for so many years. And this was the year he was supposed to win. And you see what the Angels are doing. They're not going to make the playoffs. And he may become the most desperate of all. That could be the bidding war. And that's how you get Judge a record contract at the end of the year, regardless of injury or performance. Do you think Joe Madden is on the hot seat right now? You know, I was just thinking about that, Jeff. I don't think that Joe Madden will ever be on a hot seat because I believe that Joe Madden knows enough to know whether or not the team is not good because they need a new voice or the team is not good because the players are simply not good enough. And I think he'd be the first one to go to Artie and say, listen, I can't accomplish what you want me to accomplish here, and I'm happy to be the, the fall guy, if you will. Uh, he doesn't need the job. He, if once he stops enjoying it or once he realizes that there's a problem in Anaheim, he could step away. But I would view it more like a Quinn Snyder situation where he just he's not going to get fired, but he feels as though it's in the best interest of the team if he leaves. Now, one guy who has been fired is Joe Girardi. I'm not certain it's a great surprise given uh, given where the Phillies are. Although you know, I mean, it's like it's any other situation, right? You look at the composition of that team, and I don't think any you know I don't think anybody can necessarily be surprised that the Phillies are losing games the way they're losing them. There there did seem to be a, a sort of a fundamental flaw in how that that team was constructed. But I, I wanted to ask you about Joe Girardi because, of course, he was with the Marlins. And you guys did fire Joe Girardi, I think, at, at the year after he won the Manager of the Year Award. What are his strengths and weaknesses as a manager, David? Are you surprised that it didn't work out in Philly? And does he get another shot someplace? So I'll start with the last one first. I do not believe he will manage again. I think that his days are over because he does not like working with front offices. And he's not very good at playing in the sandbox with the front office. He creates the mentality of us versus them because he wants to be liked by the players so badly. And the way baseball is now, when you're a manager, you've got to manage up and manage down, down to your players, up to the general manager, president, and owner. And Joe does not want you in his office talking about the game. He doesn't want you questioning anything he did. He doesn't want you talking to him about lineups. All the things that happen now on a daily basis in every clubhouse. But the truth is, when you look at the Phillies roster, there is one person who's surprised at the results, and his name is John Middleton, the owner, because he got absolutely suckered by Dave Dombrowski to spend this money to go to $233 million with a team that you correctly said is so flawed they didn't have a chance from the first pitch or the first game of the season. And everyone in baseball knew that. So they're playing exactly the way everyone knew they were going to play. But John didn't see that or didn't want to believe it. So Joe Girardi being fired is not going to help Philly. They need to change how they operate their team and choose the players they choose to sign. David, is there a playbook on when to fire a manager? Well, yeah, I wrote the playbook because I thought that any day that ends with Y is a good day to fire a man. <laughs> so that's the name of that book. But it depends, right? Yeah. It depends on your level of delusion. So we would always fire our managers in the middle of the season, deluding ourselves that we were underperforming and that a managerial change would recapture what Jack McKeon did in 03 and lead to a World Series. Mm -hmm. But the fact is what happened in 03 when we fired Torborg and hired McKeon and won the World Series we had a really good team, and it's possible Torborg would have won the World Series with that team. 
uh, we'll never know because obviously history gets written. But when you get to early June, late May, it's sort of the end of the line for turning it around in a particular season because statistically where you are Memorial Day is almost always where you are Labor Day. Mm. And that we never tell our fans that because we want them to come to games and we want them to believe in the hope. But generally that's the case. So around Memorial Day, you make a decision. Were we wrong with our evaluation when the season started? Did we think we were good, but we really were bad? Or are we really good and we're just playing badly and we need to make a change because that could help light a fire? So self-actualization and realization is so important, and baseball executives, including me, don't do it very well. David, you're the perfect guy to ask this, and Jeff asks me this all the time. How, how do you look at what, what a good manager is in 2022? And I, and I want to ask you, how do front offices grade managers now, this year? Like, in these years, you know, not in past, like 10 years ago, it was different. Today, how do they, how do they grade a manager? The ability to take complex information in large amounts and put it in words and ways that make it easy for players to comprehend and to bite-sized pieces that help players perform to their maximum ability. Mm. You have to be a one-quarter sports psychologist, one-quarter personal psychologist. You have to be maybe only a 10% baseball person, right? You don't have to have played anymore. You don't have to have been good. You just have to have the ability to deal with kids of today. And it's something that old people talk about man, kids are so different today. Hmm. And, and they are just like when we were kids, we were looked at as different by our parents and grandparents. But with the technology that's around, with the distractions that exist in my day, I mean, in this, I'm talking about 20 years ago, there was so much better communication inside a clubhouse because not everybody was on their cell phone. People would hang out and talk about the game after the game. Now everybody is in their own circle and there's very little intersection of player circles, and a manager has to make that happen. So that's two big parts of the manager's job. And the last one is the ability to deal with a front office that meddles, quote-unquote, because we all do, and to make the players not realize that the manager answers to the front office. Those are the qualities. Yeah, because Kevin and I have you know, had this discussion, and I've said I, I, I used to think and I probably didn't know as much as I thought I did, but you used to, it, you used to kind of feel comfortable saying now's the time to fire the manager. But my point now is I, I don't know how much, you know, if I'm firing the manager and the guys, the 20 guys in the front office and khakis are making the same, you know, the same decisions, looking at the same numbers and funneling it down to another guy. I, you know, I, I don't know if that makes a difference, but you're saying it, it, it can depending on how that, new manager, if that new manager is better able to take that information and, and distill it so that younger players can use it. And if that young man, and if that new manager just somehow hits it right. So for example, Dave Dombrowski didn't fire Girardi by accident. When he did, the angels were not playing well. You always fire your manager when you believe you have a chance to, when you look at your schedule to win a few games, to get some momentum, because then you get the players believing it's the manager. You get the new manager believing he's ready to be there. You know, Rob Thompson ready to be the actual manager, not the bench coach. And, and all of a sudden you, you hope that the avalanche comes from the pebbles and the Phillies got three good pebbles out of Anaheim this weekend. Mm -hmm. And so they have to see what happens. But the Mets look certainly poised to, uh, to run away with that division. But wait to see. 
David, really good of you to join us today. Terrific insight as Great always. Stuff. Thanks so much. Good luck with the uh, with with the training. Good luck. Maybe we'll get you to do a show from the top of Kilimanjaro. Sure, that'd be great. I, you know, I actually asked whether or not there was cell service. Yes. And I got hung up on. <laughs> oh well. The Maybe. question was, how could you ask about cell service when you're about to do something like at one with nature? You're about to have an out of body experience on a mountain in Tanzania, and you're asking how many bars there are at 19,000 feet? Quick. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. Awesome. That would be good. I just imagine you doing your podcast from up, th- from up there. David, yeah. thanks for doing this Great as stuff. always, man. Good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Take Bye. care. Bye. It's David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal. It's a, it's a terrific podcast on uh, and, and MLB Insider at CBS Sports. HQ and he did. He and uh, a bunch of the Marlins people did that seven marathons and seven different, uh, seven different continents, seven different. Good countries. for him. It's very interesting to raise, and they did it to raise money for. Yeah. Now I should have asked him. I believe it was it was kind of one of the wounded warriors. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, one of the wounded warriors charities that they are involved in. But yeah, he's no, he's. I mean, David is. David's a serious, serious runner. It is, it is crazy one. to listen to a person who's been in the room when they fire managers. What yeah. goes into it? Just thinking about you're about to face a team that stinks and you could win some games and make me look like a genius. I mean, there's a lot goes into it. It's I was pretty told, cool to listen to all yeah, that. I, I was not told cool for the manager, but I, I was told that in most instances, and I've had multiple general managers tell me there is it, it, it's the timing of a managerial firing mm-hmm. is seldom accidental. Like let's just let's don't wake up way. one day and go, ah. No. I, I don't. I, I just, but again, I get back to this. I don't, it's it's just weird. I, I don't know. Well, the way David put it helps explain it a little bit. And, and this is when, when people say that sometimes a new voice is needed. I think the, what David, the way David described it, the ability to take all that information and kind of funnel out the BS and pick the snippets that you think are actually going to help players and pass that on to those particular players. That, it, it makes sense to me that that would be the manager's primary job now, given that we know that baseball this, in this day and age is all about information. He, he didn't say one thing about how they, they handle pitching staff. Not, no. not one time. Not remember one, when you're, you're, it's, I uh, mean, I always say Jim, that's, Jim how I, that's how I judged what? a manager ultimately was but how Jim he handled Leland, the bullpen. Jim Leland said his job started in the sixth inning. <laughs> David didn't say that. Yeah. David said that has basically they've already plotted it out for you of when this guy's coming you know, in you, and how long this guy's going. You said this, you said this really early mm-hmm. when, we, when we were talking about managers and when we were first started working together. And as someone, and you've been in a lot of clubhouses, both at the major and minor league level, you did, you were very clear that the manager, the manager's first job is to be a salesman. Yeah. It is to be a salesman. Sell an uppercut to me. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on the ball down. Yeah. If that's true, which I'm, I'm assuming that it is, and it has no reason not to be true, sell, sell that to me. me. And Tell me why I did what I did last year by not having an uppercut. Sell that to me. And, and the notion now of managing up, which is also not just managing your team, but managing your relationship mm. with the front office. And in some instances, I would think by extension, the owner. You know, it, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a reason we're seeing more and more, more and more managers who have got, I'm not going to say corporate backgrounds, but are into 
management, not just baseball mm -hmm. management, but management in general. There it is. You know, well, the Gabe Kaplers of the world and people like I, that. I, I quietly ask Pete Walker all the time, why do you think you're so good? And he gives me the same answer. I'm a good salesman. I sell it to the players like nobody else can. And I've, I've, I got to be honest with you, I've never heard him do it. I've never heard anybody talk about him doing it. Mm -hmm. I just know when you look at how a guy throws one outing, he comes back and it looks totally different. Why is that? Well, at the end of the day, the, <laughs> the thing about making adjustments that I, I think people, people need to keep in mind, because anytime we say so-and-so needs to make adjustments, the immediate response from a lot of fans is, okay, we'll make the adjustment. Um, you know, you've got all this technology, you've got all the stuff, you've got the best coaches, you've got the best medical staff, make the adjustments. But you got to remember, you know, if you're, a, if you're someone who is getting paid to play baseball, you got to where you are doing a certain thing. And you know what? You're making six million bucks a year and your family's doing pretty well. Now, do you really want to try this other thing? Yeah, you know, it's I, I still think at their core, athletes are really, especially pro athletes, are just really, 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 really conservative. Yeah, it's working for me. It's worked so far. Absolutely, Gibby. I, I bring it back to Gibby. I stand around the batting cage and I ask Gibby, somebody was in the cage hitting, and I'm like, Hey, Gibby, how come that guy don't hit away from the shift? And he looked right at me and went. They got to the big leagues doing it one way. Why would they change? The, how the, just because the defense is standing in a different spot and they're making this amount of money, they got to the big leagues, and that's how they made their money. They're not going to change. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. We are going to step away, and when we come back, we're going to uh, go to my DMs, go to the text line as well for Barker's back leg bits. What, do you, what was that? Oh, okay. Ready for you to do it. Oh, okay. 590-590 is the text line. Uh, again, SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle if you want to weigh in and uh, ask questions of Kevin Barker. And a reminder that Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk all week. The Jays are in Kansas City for the first of three games tonight. It's a nice, tidy 8-15 start time. I'm going to be grumpy, probably. Oh, yeah, I know you're going to be grumpy. It is, but, and I'm warning you right now, because it, it is worth tuning into Blue Jays' talk and after some of the later games, because honest to God, everything you think about Barker and everything you think about me gets flipped in its side, because I'm usually generally, I, I'm okay, you know, let's, but Barker's, you are grumpy. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't like stay up late. You at 11 o'clock? Oh, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Barker's back leg bits are next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. All right, before we get to Barker's back leg bits, 
Derek Gould, who does a uh, terrific job covering baseball for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, tweeted out parts of a conversation he had with Manny Machado. Um, this is interesting. Manny Machado was talking about Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. And this is a quote from Pujols. It's kind of BS that teams are not giving him a farewell tour. I'll tell you that right now. Why? Albert has been the best player in our generation to ever play this game. Now, I will openly admit um, the whole notion of farewell tours. I mean, I kind of go back and forth on it. Um, Mariano Rivera's farewell tour was 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 kind of cool. The gifts he got were kind of neat. I think the the Blue Jays gave him um, signed goaltender pads from <clears throat> the Maple Leafs because of saves. You know, mm-hmm. the guy was saving games, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and teams have had a lot of fun with that. One team gave him a uh, a a chair made of broken bats, mm. you know, because Mariano Rivera used to break bats. Mm-hmm. Um and look, I, I, I think if you want to, and I, I, the Cardinals, I believe the Cardinals come to, to Toronto this year. I, it'd be nice if there was, you know, a moment where fans could honor Albert Pujols. But it is interesting. I, I have thought about this. Um, we're not making as big a deal about Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina as we have other players. Now, Yadier Molina, yeah, I... I mean, look, I love Yadier Molina. And Yadier Molina, to me, is is one of the best catchers I've seen. Uh, but, man, Albert Pujols is a generational hitter. Mm-hmm. His numbers speak for himself. And, Kevin, we're not, for whatever reason, maybe it's because he doesn't have, he doesn't hold one of those magic number records, like most home runs of all time, uh, most hits of all time. Maybe it's because... I mean, he played in St. Louis. I mean, he, he yes, he played in L.A. with the Angels, but, I mean, he wasn't even, and he played a bit with the Dodgers, but at the height of his career, he never really was in that big a market. But we don't seem to uh, be making as big a deal about Albert Pujols wrapping up his I, career. I have no, maybe there's a sense that he, I'll ask you this, maybe there's a sense that he's just hanging on to, right? No, but, I don't think that's it. Uh <laughs> Jeff, he's got 674 doubles. Yeah. He's got 683 homers. He's got 2,165 RBIs. He is a, if if anybody cares. Now, this is the last couple of years. He would have hit over 300 in a career, but the last couple of years, he had a buck 98 one year. He's hit, you know, he, right, hasn't, but, hit a, he hasn't hit above an average but in what a very I'm long saying, time. I agree with you, but what I'm I, saying is he he's not he's not the leader I, in, in, in categories that, He's not the leader in categories that people who aren't hardcore baseball fans generally focus. I would I would wonder. Now I have no idea about this, and I don't know the answer to this question. But I wonder if they asked those two players, would it be okay if we did that? And those two players, because of the way they are and who they came up with, that's basically fair. said, "No, nah, it draws too much attention to our team. That's not how we roll here with the Cardinals. It's not the Cardinal way." That's fair. That's that would fair. just be my guess. No, that's and I'm, I'm I'm making an educated guess here. 
and also and, and but I a, bet that's it. And Albert Pujols, I mean, you know, he's gone through the whole divorce with his wife and everything. Yeah, and, off the yeah, off the field stuff I mean, doesn't he, have anything to do may, with how other teams. No, but he may just not want the. A I lot think of that's the, more that's more of it. Just it's not the cardinal way. Yeah, that's that's entirely, that's, that's an educated guess on that part. That's it. That's entirely possible. That's entirely possible. Like I'm, I'm look. I'll, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to them coming to town. Rivera is sort of Mariano Rivera was sort of the same way, but it was the Yankees. Yeah, you're right. And had no, he hadn't had no choice. Like he's a quiet, you know, sort of that assassin guy. That you know, I was one of those bats. That probably that chair they made was yeah. Barker special had one of my bats in there, but sort of he didn't have a choice. I think that the Pujols, Molina, I think they might have a choice just because of the organization and vision and all that stuff that they play in that's i'm guessing here you know what time it is Mm. now that we move past that it's time for barker's back leg bits i don't know who he was praying to but barker's like get up get out of here and the guy's right at the fence like i got this one you know the umpires would throw the balls out like hey barker's up bring in the six balls we need the dead one mr gann thank you very much for joining us be honest you don't remember kevin barker as a player do you like 50 years ago we played Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. Well, I saw you in 2005 hit homers off scoreboards in the International League, uh-huh. so I, I know how you roll. Mm-hmm. Wow, so we put Squish a whole bug, bunch of them City. together. We got Squish Jason Benetti, Ozzy Guillen, Sean Casey. That is like That might be the most eclectic, what, 20 seconds mm-hmm. in, in you're welcome. sports radio history. You're welcome. All, all because of you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're so good, you should be doing shoe commercials. How about it? Anyhow. Uh, it is Barker's Back Leg Bits, that time of the show where, uh, what are you laughing at? That time of the show where we solicit questions from you, our listeners, and our viewers, and our pod followers. And if you're watching us across the country or you're listening online across the country, uh, let us know where you're, uh, let us know where you're from and, uh, and get our attention because we like, we like to consider ourselves mm-hmm. to be, uh, and across the country show might be a lot of people talking about the Bo and Vladdy incident. Um, and Mike B wants to know, and actually I kind of like this. He says, do you think it's reminiscent of the stripling panic thing that happened a few years ago? Or is it not to that extent that Mike, that's, that is a good take on it because well, it's Barker's back leg bits. I'll let you answer. Okay, for me anyway, I don't think either situation has anything to do with the other. Stripling was struggling, trying to make changes, basically trying to stay in the big leagues. It's a little different. Mindset's different. You need plays to be made, especially in this minor league ballparks. Just got away from him. Like his, he was competing at the highest level. That's a different situation. The both thing, it's, I have no, I can't back this up with anything. I just know the situations that I've been in, the conversations I've had with other infielders that I've been with, it's usually from something else that's happened before that. And it's building up to where basically the conversation of when a ball goes up, I have priority. It's my ball. Something's happened, whether Vladdy said, could have been in the first inning. Vladdy said, ball goes up again, you take it, no matter where it's at. And then Bogue runs over there to take it. And Vladdy doesn't let him take it. Maybe that's something a little bit to it. I just think <clears throat> when you relay what you're trying to get across, 1,000% of the time, never let people see it. Oh, it's, 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 all, it's because basically the play was made. 
the person was out. You didn't look ridiculous. The ball didn't bounce. No, it bounce wasn't up a collision. It wasn't, it wasn't a no. collision where you, somebody you was getting little, injured. You have the little right. powwow where you bump him in the chest, and then when the inning's over, you walk down in the tunnel, you go, hey, whatever his nickname is that you call him, come here, and then you have the conversation, and nobody has any idea that you have whatever the issue that you have is, but there's something there. I mean, it's obvious that when Bo was walking away, pointing to the ground, you could see his expression. Something's there. It's building up a little bit. Mm. He felt like he had to go over after the inning over and even put his arm around him, which some people handle that in certain ways. And I'm sure you'll never see it again. But it is, again, this is a learning experience. These are learning times. And I'm sure they'll learn from it and they'll move on from it. Double R asked, do you think David Phelps should have been left in the game for one more inning? He'd already pitched an inning and a third, but only threw 15 pitches. Again, it gets back to that, how much you pitch him. He's coming off injury. He's been good. They know pitches, batters faced. Like, there's so many things that go into you're trying to maximize what that guy gives you in a short amount of time. And it's very hard to come on here and say, should he have went two innings instead of an inning and a third or inning and two-thirds or whatever he went. I... There's again, it gets back to that. If all parts of the game showed up yesterday, mm -hmm. they're winning that game. It would have had nothing to do with Jordan Romano's coming in for Beasley. Everything would have lined up probably. The starter would have, uh, uh, Kevin Gosman would have went deeper in the game. All of those things would have went the way it was supposed to go if they would have played a better game defensively. Just a team wide game, I think, better. But it, man, it's, it's, Look how much they pitched. They pitched a lot. And it's not like they come out and they have a six-run lead. No. It's like hey, they got to give them everything they got. It's, oh, whoa, give me the nastiest slider you got because you got the middle of the order. And tomorrow, guess what? You're going to do the exact same thing. It's just the stuff that they don't have down there and they're asking them to come out and give them the quality that they're asking them to give. I just, good luck. <laughs> How's that? Do you know there's a uh, person on Twitter called Kevin Baker mm. at Back Lake City? I can guarantee you that's not me. No, it isn't. Um, but I, I just, appreciate. I just realized. It. I just realized it. Uh, anyhow, I just uh, he he was talking uh, the same thing, talking about uh, your comments about Bo. You know, he said, I always got the impression Bo didn't seem to be the biggest fan of the Vladdy Gatorade shower. Um, and he says, you know, like you say, like Kevin says, not not all teammates are buddy-buddy like the fans they are. This is uh, like the fans think they are. He talked about the Liam Hendricks interview we did on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And he said, we kind of laughed when, when, when he said that one of the reasons he signed in Chicago, obviously in addition to money, was that talking to some teams, they said, we're going to protect you, but I don't want to be protected. Uh, and that LaRusso obviously takes more of an old-school approach that Henrik seemed to prefer. Do you think, and this is an interesting question, I hadn't thought of this at the time, and follow-ups are always good, but he said, do you think maybe that's why Henrik's didn't sign here? Yeah. Cha-ching, cha-ching, I'll, gar I'll guarantee it you. It was a different thing. If the Blue Jays would have gave him an extra year than the White Sox, Liam Hendricks would have been closing yeah. for the Toronto Blue Jays. I yeah. don't, what else? I, I, there's nothing uh, else there I can I, say about, I, I about think... letting a guy go. Yeah, it's okay to let a guy go if he's got stuff to do it. The Blue yeah. Jays bullpen, who has stuff that you can just stuff them to death? It's coming, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Name a guy. 
There isn't. So I don't really have a follow-up to just, they're going to go to the highest bidder. That's life. Yeah. It's what and you want to do in your work look, is you want to be able to go to the highest bidder, it's, it's, and that's where he went. It's pretty clear the Jays and Liam Hendricks' agent had 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 different values and put different values on his services. It's, it's 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 that simple. And and yes, it would have been great to see Liam Hendricks here. I think he would have answered a majority of the mm-hmm. questions we've seen with the Jays bullpen. And then we don't have to worry about Kirby Yates. And then maybe we don't have to worry about Yimi Garcia and yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. But um, and and I did think at the time, and I said at the time, look to me, this is the guy you this is the guy you go after because. He can do anything for you out of the bullpen. I mean, he is the definition of a bullpen workhorse. Listen to Josh Donaldson. The first thing out of his mouth was our bullpen's nasty. Yep. (laughs) That's the first thing out of his mouth. Dave Matheson wants to know if you think that when Marcus Simeon left town, the kids got lazy. He said the jacket stuff is fun, but real ball players don't do that. Well, if first of all, the Marcus jacket was there. He was wearing the jacket. He was too. wearing the jacket. He was wearing the jacket too. And if the jacket, you say real ball players don't do that. I mean, I don't know. I saw the Boston Red Sox sticking guys in laundry carts and pushing them down. I, I could never get in that thing. I'm too old. Hurt yeah. my back. No kidding. Want to hurt my back? We just don't know if I want to be in a laundry cart. Who the hell knows what's in there? Probably laundry at some point. But uh, well, yeah, you're good. but. The reason I'm, I've, I've, I've mentioned that question, and people have talked about the whole, folks, you got to move on from the home run jacket thing. I've talked to other managers. About, other teams don't care about it. Um, I'm sure not every player on, on the Blue Jays is thrilled. You know, I, I'm, Frankly, I, I'm willing to bet 90% of them don't think about it. They, they don't think about it. It's something everybody in the team is doing, and it's kind of fun. But we got to move behind the, beyond the whole home run jacket as a sign of immaturity. It's not like Everybody's doing stuff. Not like stuff. they're dreading to hit a home Mike run. Trout, oh my gosh, I got to wear that jacket. Yeah, Mike, Mike Trout is, you know, slapping a cowboy hat on. I mean, on the list of stupid things, not stupid things, but on the list of things teams do when they hit a home run, I kind of like the home run jacket, to be honest. I kind of like the home run jacket. I'm not a fan of the manager and the hitting coach or any of the coaches putting it on a player. I'm just not. Because to me, if it's a player thing, it's different. But, I mean, I, 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 I just can't. I just can't get worked up about it. I just can't get work, mm. worked up about it. Uh, Brian wants to know how... Wondering about how the Jays are the number one team in applying the shift against opposing teams. What is their success rate on this? Should they be doing it less? It sure seems as though the shift gets beaten more often than not for them. But my view could be myopic. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, we. the reason I wanted to bring this up is we talked about this a couple of times. Uh, look, if the shift, the reason the Jays shift is because the numbers tell them it works. If the numbers told them it wouldn't work, they wouldn't shift. It's the same reason anybody does anything in baseball nowadays. It's because the weight of evidence suggests more often than not that it works. It's risk minimalization is what it is. Everybody's afraid to make a mistake. And whatever you can do to to eliminate the possibility of a mistake being made, you're going to do it. It is, too. And you, you got to look at the quality of stuff that they got on the mound. It's not, it's not always the highest quality. And you need to put your defense in positions to help out that guy stand on the mound because there's going to be a lot of balls put in play. And I will say the Matt Chapman effect, with that allows them to do that drastic shift where they're throwing Bo on the, you know, the right side of second base as far over as he gets 
putting Santee where they put him in right, almost basically where the right fielder stands so they can move the right fielder around, put him more in the gap. Like they're doing that because they got a really good defender in the third baseman, which allows them to do that. And it works a lot of the times. Now it is a little frustrating whenever you see a guy get a jam shot with two strikes where the guys ain't standing, but most of the time it's, it's getting it done. Ross Stripling starts tonight against Daniel Lynch as the Jays open a three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Love, I, I keep saying this all the time, I know, but I love this ballpark. I love this as a road city, Kansas City. I'm just a big fan. Just a big fan of, of Kansas City on every level. Have you seen the weather? No. The reason why I ask that is when it, the hotter it gets there, it seems to to deaden the baseball. Look. Let's take a look at Kansas City. I, I, I just the ball don't carry as much, and I know summertime there it gets super-duper hot and – and that's a thing for players just not used to that kind of heat. When they go in there, they have to make adjustments, and they're changing shirts. And, you know, yeah. what I'm point is, you, yeah, it's a thing. Like no, it's, no, it's no. Like I'm, oh, I am saying the wet shirt and the heavy. You've been there more than I have. Yeah, it's how hot it is in the summer. And I don't even know if I haven't checked the weather, and that's why I'm asking. It is a bigger ballpark. It might be the first and only time I've actually thought that I was in a stadium where a tornado was going through. Yeah. It was just a hellacious hailstorm. Like, mm-hmm. I, beyond, I mean, I... Where I lived in Manitoba, we used to get tornadoes. But this was like just just hellacious stuff. Uh, Ross Stripling starting tonight, making a start for Hyunjin Ryu, uh, who is on the IL. So we know that Kansas City is, you know, they're scuffling as a team. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for from Ross tonight? Change up for strikes. Uh, the big curveball, he's got to still strike one with that. Stay outer thirds, elevate the heater. He does that. They score first. Give him a little confidence to not have to be as fine. He'll give you four-ish to five innings somewhere in there. You know, he's a pitch-to-contact guy. He's not going to get a ton of swing and misses, but having the changeup, having the sink with the changeup, throwing that enough for strikes, stealing strikes with a secondary pitch is huge with him because he doesn't throw 95 miles an hour. And don't throw it down the middle. Mm-hmm. That sounds easy to do, but when he no. gets in trouble, it's that centered cut stuff. If he can stay out of the middle of the plate and keep it in the big part of the field because of that big stadium, Kauffman Stadium, Keep it in a big part. <clears throat> Let the defense play for you. They score first. They'll be all right. Any way, I understand this is a hypothetical question, but any way you see the Jays, if Hyunjin Ryu is out for the rest of the year, however long it's going to be, any way you see Ross Stripling being the guy for the rest of the year, or do you think if Hyunjin Ryu is shut down, they do have to go out and get another starter? Maybe not You know, not a Frankie Montas. It would be great if they could, but maybe you're not going to get a guy of that caliber but somebody who can give you a little more than Ross Stripling has given you so you can allow Ross Stripling to be back into a hybrid role. Because as I said, I loved him. I loved what I've seen out of him well, in a hybrid yeah, role. Again, that's that Trent Thornton effect. You, do you feel confident with him backing up, being the long relief guy? If the answer is no to that, and you think Ross Stripling is better hybrid guy than he is a starter, well, you've answered your own question. Yeah. That means you run out and get you some better starting pitching. But again, this gets back to that point where your lineup is your strength. Your lineup's going to take you to the playoffs. They need to get it down, get it singing, do some backlegging. If they can do that a bunch of times, it's going to hide those little things that, you know, Charlie's got to go to Trevor Richards and, and Adam Simber in the fifth inning or fourth and the fourth inning when he doesn't want to go to him. So how was that? Never have too much pitching. I would, I would guess. Well, you can have too much bad pitching. That's not true. You can have too much pitching. I would argue that. Vasquez Beasley, it's too much, too much pitching for me. Sorry. See, I don't mind Beasley. Just don't, don't throw dumb pitches and dumb counts. 
Don't do that. It throw 90s. You know how hard 97 is well, to hit? Well, you wouldn't. I do. Yeah. To get it down, get it singing, 97's got some life to it. When you haven't faced that guy before, just don't give him a chance. If he does that, he's decent enough. I'm not saying to work through middle of orders. No, but he, yeah, I'm talking about he that's should fair. be able to come in a game and let it eat that's and fair. give it to you. Like, I get apologize. it out there. Get extension. Like, he's in the big leagues for a reason. Just, just don't bring dudes up just to be bringing them up. They bring them up because they think they got some stuff they can throw at you. Yeah, oh, I know. There, there's, I'm, I'm sure the numbers, things suggest that, that they can contribute. Marquise and, Grissom told me in a batting cage once, it's not hard getting here, fella. It's hard staying here. Uh, I think true. I got sent down like three days late. <laughs> Marquise knew what he yeah, was talking he knew about. All, yeah. Marquise knew exactly <laughs> what he was talking about. That's it for Blair and Barker today. We'll be back to more from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and 360. As always, you can subscribe to our podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back with Blue Jays talk immediately following the Jays game against the Royals tonight. Have yourself a great rest of your Monday. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.